Well, hello, folks. This is Mighty Mike McGee, and this is Over Social Number Three. I am very pleased to have my friend Jacob Chomich in this episode. I may be mispronouncing his name horrifically, uh, and that's likely because I just have not been studying my Polish lately. Jacob is a dear friend, someone who I've always looked up to, and that's not just because he's very, very tall, at least a foot taller than me, at least, at least a foot, and he's got, I'm going to say, two or three hundred tattoos more than I do, uh, but I only have nine, so that's not saying much. Now, I should point out a couple of things. One, Jacob is one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. He's one of the most peaceful, one of the most loving Every time I've had a conversation with Jacob, I've walked away from it feeling refreshed, feeling like I've been seen, and just feeling really good about life. No matter how sad or how upsetting the topics may have been, I would like to point out a couple of things. We talked, as we usually do, in such a, just such a free and flowing fashion. However, we got so into our initial conversation that I forgot to hit record for the first 15 minutes. So you will not hear that portion of our conversation, and I'm sorry. Now, we also recorded in front of a skate shop cafe. Those of you in San Jose know which one I'm talking about, and I'll, I'll mention it later. However, you will hear a couple of skateboarders who seemingly decided to just loiter around us on their skateboards, making uh, more noise than I was hoping for. So I hope it's not too annoying for you. However, I do love that sort of extracurricular ambiance that this is what happened. This is where we were. We were in a thoroughfare where San Jose State students and various people walk by. There's a theater there. We're near other cafes and restaurants. So there's a, a bit of traffic. You're going to hear other voices in this episode, and I love that sort of thing. I hope you do too. I shall also point out that in this episode, we talk about Jacob and his wife moving from the U.S., and how they never got a chance to leave. And uh, just to add some context, they did, after this recording, they did end up moving to Copenhagen. So I am sad, but we will talk again. I will go to Denmark, and I will gladly sit down and have another conversation with Jacob for this podcast and for my own soul. So... It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you my friend, Jacob Chomich. And now let's go on location. None of it recorded? So, talking about poetry... <laughs> Hey, look, uh, we were in a moment, though, Mike. Yeah, no, it was good. It was a good moment. I just, I just, it's a moment that no one else will get. That was our moment. Well, that's like you watching those, uh, those weeds. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, we it, just lived through your philosophy. We just lived way. through my philosophy. Yeah, I. So, folks, uh, I have this philosophy that um, uh, it's better to sit 
in the garden and watch weeds grow or what we consider to be weeds uh, than it is to write about them later. As a poet, I find myself writing about those things more than I should. Uh, and I'd much rather sit in that garden. Um, it's interesting because we just had what I thought was a really great, it w was a great conversation. It, it was a good conversation we've had. And uh, which was going to be like that first 15 minutes of a really wonderful podcast. And um, it, it was. It was. It, it was. was. Once was. You'll never hear it, though, folks. That's right. The moment <laughs> was there. We enjoyed it. And, uh, we did. Uh, that's the problem with uh, having to push a button twice in order to get it to record. You know, you would think, why would they? Yeah. Do well, well, it's a safety I thing. I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you want to make sure you want to record. Yeah. I guess maybe talking about that, because, you know, you did start a recording in the midst of attempting to explain what you just started right now by explaining and yeah. maybe somewhere subconsciously your inner i knew being just messed with yourself and said hey yeah you're going to hey. experience hey chubby yeah go fuck yourself put your money where your mouth is <laughs> yeah go fuck yeah. yourself <laughs> so we experienced that you know it's um so uh, i'm just gonna go ahead and ask you again and uh what um it'll be interesting what answers will come up this yeah time. yeah yeah the the second version version two you know um i um i've always been fascinated with sort of your your life experience um being an immigrant um coming here um what what was life like for you a social life like for you in poland uh what was the name of your your grandparents village uh that's a city wood city Wuj. yeah Wuj. how does how do you spell it uh, so Wuj means boat, uh, okay. by the way, which is ironic because of the many European cities, major European cities, it is not on a river. Huh. Um, it's The first letter is an L that's crossed out, which makes a W sound. Okay. Um, this this word actually can seem quite foreign to uh, non to Anglo Saxons. Uh, the second letter is O with a comma over it, which makes a U. Uh -huh. uh, the second is D which only makes a sound here because it's attached to a Z, uh, which DZ makes a sound of Z. However, this last Z has a comma over it, which makes the sound G. So it's Wuj. And, and there's no way an American who doesn't understand Polish would, uh, uh, would be able I to mean, pronounce you, that you word. I would see that as Lods. Lods. <laughs> Lods. Lods. Which, I don't know that the Germans didn't call it that. But anywho, um, yeah, that's Wuj. You said it earlier, and I, I wanted to know how it was spelled because I know that it doesn't, it's not the way it looks for us, it for, for me. It's, a, it's an interesting city, too, because uh, it's, uh, it is not known for its beauty. At the same time, it does possess a, a certain, to me, I always saw it as kind of a, I don't know, maybe just because it was so different from where I was living in Krakow, that it seemed like some sort of a place with things to do. Yeah. They had lakes. Okay. I loved going there. Man-made ponds, you know, whatever you want to call them. I don't believe they were perk ponds because it was specifically for people to go and bathe and swim in and just chill on the banks of. Um, but we loved doing it as kids. And there were two, if not three different ones too, that you could go to. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun city to live in as a kid, I suppose. When I first met you, uh, it was actually my, I answered the door. You were standing, you and Simo were standing at my doorway. 
Yeah. You were oh, coming right. to kitchen session. Kitchen session. Uh, my my old uh, my old kitchen uh, show performances uh, at my house with Ben Henderson. Uh, you knew Ben. You and Seema knew Ben. That's right. Uh, and I hadn't met you yet, and I thought, holy shit. Well, you, we, I, I can't speak for Seema, I've seen you around a lot. Okay. So you were, you know, uh, a mainstay of the the downtown scene, for lack of a better description. But we had never been introduced. Time. Oh, we had not been introduced. And But I, I remember distinctly thinking, well, look at this troublemaker, you know. I, that is, you yeah. know. <laughs> so often, I just had a conversation with someone regarding that because they themselves are perceived supposedly as uh, intimidating. Oh, really? I, I, you know, it's. I understand the reasoning behind my appearance uh, being thought of as intimidating, but it's kind well, of a crutch. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because if you, because you're a very, a very tattooed man, right? You have a lot of tattoos. You have a, quite a bit of ink. Right? Saying, I guess. And I think that some people still sort of hold that as a representation of like, you know, um, a, ne'er, a ne'er-do-well, you know? That's right. I mean, and the- but if you pay attention to your tattoos, you can see that they're all very peaceful. They're right. all very like, they're all very, it's all peace, love, you know, like it's <laughs> literally, literally, you know? yeah, I know. Uh, it's kindness. Uh, iconography of of very very spiritual, yes, you know, there you go. Uh, 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 representations, you know. I mean, it was meant as a reminder to be a better person altogether. So, hence, most of the writing faces me to yeah. remind me of things. Um, and at the same time, sometimes I think because of its being upside down and appearing just kind of a squiggles, sure. And the different languages also, it, it has. Uh, an appearance which is not easily understood. So yes, I get that. And I'm tall, and right. I have a foreign accent, and I'm somewhat of a domineering person sometimes in a room. How for tall are one you? One reason or another. Um, I don't know oh. that you ask a tall person how old that tall they are, really. <laughs> or I should say the other way. And I had this conversation also recently with a tall person. I don't know that you should trust a tall person when they <laughs> to, tell you how tall, tell you tall they are. To tell you their height. Yeah. Uh, I. <laughs> that's fair. I'm large. You are large. A few elbows long. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like 25 hands. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, I, uh, well, I will always look up to you. So no matter what, in t- more than more way than one. Well, unless I find myself on the lower floor or you're on the stage, <laughs> yeah. actually. that In that way, a lot of people look up to you well, all the time. When you sat down, I literally said, I'm going to hug you, but you don't need to stand up. And this is a common occurrence. That is, yeah. that is true. It's just absolutely true. Um, I think that I've always been really fine with being a short person. Hmm. Um, I have no problem being short. There are definitely moments where I'm trying to reach something on a high shelf, and I, I wish hmm. I had a little bit more height, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I would say that um, no matter how intimidating people might find you, I have never found you intimidating. Hmm. Never. Uh, once we had our first conversation, it was clear to me that you were... Um, you, you you're mostly made of heart <laughs> i bore no ill will <laughs> yeah um you 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 exude a kindness uh, a gentleness that i think is um really refreshing especially especially in downtown san jose not that not that downtown san jose is mean but downtown san jose tends to be um you know eyes to the ground 
Yeah, it's not hey, a no place mind. that portrays that, yeah. I suppose, that attitude. Well, mine is mostly comes from, I think, the, try, the philosophy of trying to put out that which you want to receive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that you can have an expectation. Actually, no expectations whatsoever. But at least if you put it out there, then I guess you could expect it to come back. Yeah, it's very Somewhere. true. Yeah. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, that's part of just putting it out there. At some point, actually, you put it out there to put it out there. Yeah. And that's that's a whole other conversation, but uh, yeah, yeah. Bhagavad Gita talks about just that. Yeah, I love the idea of making kindness um, a priority. You know, I was uh, it's an, it's you know been thinking about my mom a lot. And I, I, I go, I saw her this weekend and it was great to see her and um, she's a grumpier person than she used to be, you know, I think age just does that yeah, and okay. uh, and I always knew her mom to be a grumpy person mm. and now I sense a grumpiness in me. Oh, so you foresee the grumpiness coming. Yeah, so I'm really trying to work against it, you know, I'm really trying to, to, to find a, a balance against that. I think as long as you, and that's I mean that's what it comes down to if you're mindful and conscious of what you do and say I don't know how many people in this world would truly do anything that was considered or even interpreted as yeah unkind I mean yeah. we all are truly in the end just want to be loved for crying out loud yeah. so um, even even our violent overtures are still as a way to possibly gain some ground on being loved by more or mm -hmm. um, with more, uh, depending on what you're striving for. So yeah, um, yeah. What is the difference between? Uh, or t tell me tell me about your social life in Krakow. So as a. As, my social life in a way at a very young age began just by going outside and being encouraged to do so um, as a way of playing and eventually just kind of discovering the city there was never a fear really I don't think much of me getting into any specific trouble uh, I grew up in an inner city in Krakow in the heart of the downtown of well, an old downtown it's a city of you know hundreds of years old um, and there I, I rubbed elbows with just a lot of a lot of people be it other kids on the streets and you know that was a known thing is to go out and just kind of find other kids that were doing whatever you were doing which is just trying to find something to do sometimes otherwise uh, specifically involved in things you know be it yes bike riding skateboarding well, there was no skateboarding really going on in Krakow at the time but anyway um, I went out and I knew people of all ages of all different backgrounds and hung out with them and um, a lot of peers you know we we did a lot of different uh, um, games and activities I guess which involved um, trying to make something out of nothing mm -hmm. um, but uh, that was also mixed with my I, I had a sports background and I swam a lot I spent a lot of my day two times a day for a couple of hours each uh, swimming so my fellow swimmer friends and coaches and that whole world um, which also involved uh, 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 swimmers from other clubs other schools within uh, my city or its immediate surroundings and um, we would sometimes hang out together too, um, go across the city to uh, 
to go and hang out uh, with people you just met at a meet before or something. Um, so there was a, there was a lot going on, and it was uh, the responsibility in, of way in in ways was given to me to make sure that I come back at a certain time. But in between that, I could do whatever I pleased, and I, that gave me some freedom that I think I've always been uh, a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Just going out there and finding something to do, meeting people, talking to strange people. And for that, I still feel that here I sometimes am a clown. In fact, in Poland, I was seen as a jokester for going around and talking to people, strangers. Mm-hmm. You don't really, a lot of European countries, I think, have this kind of a, um, a lot of the people in the streets have a, a, a mean or dejected demeanor yeah. that says, don't talk to me. In fact, some are known for it. I think the Nordic countries, though happy they are, initially it takes a lot to get into their heart they're very private that's right private I guess is the word mm-hmm. so I would walk around saying hi how are you and that was seen as a complete another joke you know I was seen as a clown of sorts a jester by by your friends by my friends by my family uh, in fact I would do it as a trick almost like hey look I'm gonna ask them how they are doing I'm gonna say hi to this person and how would people usually respond to that uh, well I was a kid so I'd be dismissed sometimes uh, you know by a grumpy older lady um, <laughs> Younger people, less so, although, uh, you know, if if you were seen as a nuisance, which that would be really, because what are you bringing to their life? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think only maybe women, uh, younger women, were more so, I think, patient because of their, I don't know, they saw us as maybe some kind of a troubled kids that needed help rather than to be did, scolded. Did you look your age? Yeah, 13, uh, maybe a little older, I suppose. I think I was always tall. Yeah. yeah. But you know, coming here then uh, to America and finding out that, hi, how are you? And just talking to people, to strangers, starting up conversations about anything, nothing, um, was was still felt we- weird to me, even though I, had, I was trying to kind of do that in Poland. And what I mean by that is just that there was a certain detachment of that, like, hi, how are you, you know, and, and that's it. It was seldom followed by a, a true answer and or like a deep conversation, which you would think, how are you, kind of a begs for, well, yeah. I mean, let me tell you, yeah, uh, this is how I am. And this, and then that'll, of course, be like, well, why? And so on and so forth. Yeah. That, that that was in that was in Europe or that was in that was here. I think that 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 would be expected. Yes, in in Poland, if you ask that question, to be a somewhat of a serious one. And, um, whereas here, it's it's more of a greeting, which it, it took some time to understand that. And that that difference in those cultures oh, was one yeah. of the many struggles. I've always, my whole life, I've always thought that was so strange because I, I I partake in that, but I always thought it was so That's strange to say like, "How's it going?" And somebody says, "Good, okay, good." Right. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know? I, I think it's somewhat of a kind of a handshake, you know, of showing that you don't mean yeah. uh, ill. Yeah. Uh, repeating it's, myself. But. It's sort of a, it's a, sort of a, um, a tonal, it's like a, ton, a tonal um, acknowledgement of, uh, of my own, like, willingness to be a little vulnerable so that you're not afraid yes. you know yes. uh, I'm gonna go ahead and be a little vulnerable right now and ask you how you're doing because if I was mean I wouldn't care you're exchanging you know? pleasantries yeah. you are going in a pleasant yeah. way yeah I are you the kind of person where you can walk down the street and you know you just know something about someone even though you've never met them uh can you, oh. Are you a good judge of people to where you can just, oh. 
you can sense a quality about them. Like I can usually tell when someone is, I can usually tell when someone is very dishonest by their, by their, their body language. Right. I would say that I am uniquely naive when it comes to people mm. and I will give people the benefit of the doubt thrice over before I somehow were to turn because I fear that the line between the two is gets becomes I, I don't want it to be gray I want to be completely open to you and whatever and I don't want to have to I don't want to have to think that there will be a gray or, or black line of sorts whatever it may be um, but I, uh, I, I'm, I'm naive. I will go and talk to you and give you the benefit of the doubt and not judge you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it may screw me over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I vow to next time do the same and just give people benefit of the doubt. Um, you, you, yeah. You've always spoken so well about everybody. Uh, everybody that any mutual, any mutual people that we might know, mutual acquaintances. Um, what who is a friend you don't have to name names um, but what has caused you to uh, maybe abandon a friendship abandon Uh, abandon being the operative word I suppose because I mean it's because that's that's really what you know you're just you don't communicate with somebody anymore because you don't trust them or you don't like them anymore or what have you you know we don't it's so rare that we actually break up with our friends. Right. We, we tend to fade away, right? And that, I think therein lies the answer. I think for me, it's more of a fading away. Um, sadly, because of the nature of our uh, relations, due to, I mean, at this point, you could say COVID for the last few years. And prior to that, just the kind of a separation that our uh, suburban dwellings uh, create. Um, if you out of sight kind of becomes out of mind unless you really work on yes keeping up that you know whatever it may be social media or otherwise uh, conversation and i found that i had great friends that i worked with um, on an ambulance as partners and so you know for 12 hours a day however many days a week three four five six for years sometimes you spend time with that one person and got to know them very well and then for one reason or another if you would not work together all of a sudden now you were doing that with someone else and so then those relationships that friendship kind of would fade and you stop talking that doesn't mean you stop being friends and i think even if i was in relationships with uh, friendships, whatever may be, with people whom I didn't agree with and or there was something that drove um, a wedge between us, mm-hmm. uh, be it yes, distance and or some kind of a bad interaction. I, I kind of really always like to be nice to people. I, I treasure the re- reuniting where years mm-hmm. have maybe gone by and you decide, hey, let's just forgive one another and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a number of times that I've been able to do that with people and that's always been, uh, I treasure that. So I always see that in those moments, I'm not gonna bury this friendship. I just may, I'm, I'm holding off until I see them again and we, we have an opportunity to actually talk because I don't think anybody truly wants to be pissed off on anybody else. Right. Uh, but that's part of my naive. I have a friend, uh, well, uh, an acquaintance, I'll say, because I don't really know them much anymore. It's been so long since I've seen them. Uh, who got in a, who got in a lot of trouble for um, a, a pretty heinous 
crime. I mean, they went to jail for it. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and uh, you know, it it was. I, I, it's like I want to say it, but I don't want to say it. Um, but it's it's one of those socially unacceptable crimes for everybody. It's right. the kind of crime where it's enough of a crime to where if your fellow, you know, the your your, your fellow sailmates find out what you're in for, you're gonna get beat up. Gotcha. You know. Okay. Uh, I'll just say that. All right. And I don't know what to do about that person because in my head I'm like. Everyone, everyone needs a friend. That's exactly right. Right? Everyone needs a friend. And I have the compassion, you know, if, if I'm not going to be a friend to the victims, if I'm not friends with the victims or whatever, is it, is, is, should it be my duty to try to be friends with the, the, the person who victimized them? You know? Um, well, I would say that yes, because everyone deserves, you know, if, let's say, I mean, the, the whole part of going to prison for some such crime, whatever it may be, is to be able to become rehabilitated and come back out on the streets. And how can a person be expected to be rehabilitated if nobody is going to give them an, an opportunity to behave better? Yeah. And however many strikes it may take or however many, you know, failings it may take, because that's just the thing that a lot of people who will end up in these situations have gone through doing the same things over and over for years. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, sometimes something finally clicks and, and they recognize that and they stop. And I think to create such an environment, you have to be willing to forgive people and continue to be friends. And yes, you risk being taken advantage of. and. Yes, you risk being seen as if you're, yeah, friends with the, some tormentor and so and so on and so forth. But my personal opinion is that if you you have to continue and try to be friendly too, because then they will see that and they may it may affect them to become so I positively. Mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's you know like um, what was the name? There was a nun that was that fought for the. Uh, uh, reducing a sentence of a man who was on a death uh, oh yeah and she sister mary jean, jean there you go yeah something like that something yeah uh, dead man walking i dead think man it was walking. a book that yeah. followed with a film about susan it. sarandon and uh, sean penn that's right yeah <laughs> but um, i saw that in the theater i i think he did commit a crime that he he did not deny no and he, he he yeah and she you know in the spirit of this being another i don't know soul whatever you want to call it she was catholic nun i believe yeah um she recognized that he needed as much, you know, uh, um, forgiveness as as anybody else, and I think there are a number of people who do things in the heat of the moment or whatever it may be, even after a life of not that there are excuses for it, but who recognize that they did something wrong and who need that forgiveness yeah. to nurture their recovery. So, um, I, I I feel bad. There was a there was one friend who who was accused of. Uh, of sexual assault. Uh, well, I've, I've had a number of friends who've been accused of sexual assault, um, and uh, and that's the thing. It's 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 a. I remember about 15 years ago asking a friend, "What if you found out a friend of yours did some something, you know, committed sexual assault or, or rape, you know, even?" And um, and they were just sort of dumbfounded, like, "I don't know if any of my friends would ever do that," and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Then you don't you don't have very many friends. 
<laughs> you know, uh, the larger your so-called friends, the more possibility. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I know murderers. I know, you know, I know rapists. I know, you know, I know people who've done all these things, you know, and, and I probably know more than I realize. Well, this is the know? taboo, I suppose. Right. I mean, should you? Yeah. I mean, you just kind of brought it to the forefront of there are certain crimes uh, that we hold to be so immoral as to almost be in a different category that, that you have to you ha they that you have to um, exile them right you know? I mean like uh, war criminals right I mean they're the whole uh, all the Nazis being tried and you, you would not want to think of them as human beings no even though Goering I believe was thought to be very friendly charming man yeah and eventually charmed his way into i believe getting some poison and, and yeah. committing suicide yeah. uh but you know it's hard for us to see that somebody could be a human being and monster at the same time and i mean today's day and age actually has brought that to the forefront where we're willing to throw away the, <laughs> the baby with the bathwater. is that the expression yeah. um you know and we could go off on a on a tangent with this because i don't know that always those behaviors can completely minimize or delete all the other good intentioned actions well, it's, that it's like did. it's like uh you know i mean i think you mentioned woody allen at one point you know and uh, i mean right. like he's been accused that's of right. that's enough for somebody to stop listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know they're like oh i'm not listening to this podcast yeah, they're promoting woody allen shamelessly uh but that's the thing right like he i mean I enjoyed yeah. Midnight in Paris. You know, that was I've a good enjoyed movie. A number of his films, even though some of them, I mean, Manhattan is a, almost a, a direct uh, a case against himself that he's writing. Yeah. Um, as he's 40-year-old man dating a 17-year-old girl, whatever it was. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, but on that note, those sorts of things come and go with societies and civilizations. I mean, what yeah. the Romans considered and Greeks whom we, you know, hold up to such high esteem as to follow all their philosophies and the form of government and so on. But yet, you know, they were enjoying buggering whatever they were all enjoying and it was yeah. seen as okay and so on. And you moved on. Well, and that's the thing too, right? I Recently, I, I mentioned like... Socrates, the teaching of Socrates, and somebody was like, "Man, fuck Socrates! That guy was you horrible." Go. You know, I was like, "Oh, oh!" Whoa. But you know, that's in the same vein as people destroying or vandalizing uh, statues of Gandhi, because it was found that maybe somewhere, somehow, I mean, shoot, I should not get into the subject because <laughs> I'm a white male and I should not have an opinion um, about men and so on. But I, I don't know. At which point do we decide that? Um, that we throw away people and at which point do we decide that people need to be saints that people need to be flawless well I I, I mean and I, I mean there's a far distance between saints oh, yeah. and raping people right. but <laughs> well there's a lot of in yeah. between depends on what your religion is I guess um, I one we should not be making statues of adult human beings okay I think we should limit our statue making to animals mythical creatures and maybe children maybe children but like faceless children children that don't actually exist you know what i mean like again mythical creatures things that are things that are without fault for so the most part so what do we do part. with the old ones the old statues melt them and make dragons <laughs> melt them and make dragons oh i see okay so you just yeah. repurpose repurpose all the, the metal old stalin and lenins and yeah 
and Saddam or and or you know put them uh, put them in a put them in a shitty museum you know one that's not not idolizing them but just holding them like analyzing more and then and then like but but it, you know they're presented with a lot of information you know about those people and why why at one point in time the historicity of the statues why at one point in time we thought it was a good idea to build statues of these people. Well, yeah. these people build statues to themselves often. Fair, so, fair, um, yes. That's why I think... And you're right, for that reason alone, I guess we should be skeptical of any statues of anybody going up anywhere. And I think San Jose has a lot to think about that. I mean, we have the rule where you can't put, uh, you can't put a living person on money. Uh, we do, in the U.S. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not to say anywhere else in the world. Um, but actual legal currency in the United States cannot uh, it cannot person. have a living person on it they have to be that is a one law politician that would like to change that law oh yeah <laughs> I can I can think of a few honestly but you know one specific but one very specifically for sure um, I think this is a good opportunity for us to take a quick little break we'll be right back Hey folks, I just wanted to take a moment here to explain that every episode will likely have some sort of a break in it. Whether there is an announcement or an advertisement put in it, that's, you know, that remains to be seen. Uh, this is new, this is really fresh, so I don't exactly always know what I'm going to put in this spot here, but it's mostly a break. It's so that you can sort of stretch and it gives the speakers in the conversation an opportunity to just take a break ourselves. Usually it's about a 10 minute break or so, so that we can get up and pee and refresh our beverages, what have you, and sort of check in with each other and see how the conversation's going and, and really sort of decide on how to either reboot or continue on. Also too, if you have something that you would like to promote, drop me a line over socialist at gmail.com. And let me know what you want to talk about. Let me know what you want me to tell the world about. I think that would be swell. And now, back to the show. I honestly think that poetry is humankind's attempt to stretch out a moment to make it eternal, you know? And it's funny, and I think that's why lately I have been so willing to sit and watch the plants grow and watch the wind blow the, the oxalis in my backyard, the sour grass uh, and clover. So willing to watch it just ripple in the breeze because it's, I'm going to pull those plants eventually when I need the soil to plant my tomatoes to plant my, my cucumbers, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need that soil, but until then, I'm gonna let those so-called weeds sit there, because they're gorgeous, they're beautiful. I have a poem that I started writing a couple of years ago. I think it was during, I think it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's like, uh, my landlord versus, I think the title of it is, my landlord versus a backyard full of oxalis. And I think it was he was attempting to use a weed whacker to get rid of all of it, you know, which just made it worse, <laughs> if, if that's how you want to see it. 
I am not bothered by all of the oxalis. I'm not. I'm not bothered by it. I think it is seen from a practical perspective as to be a host to possible wildlife, which then may become a pest of sorts. You know, and honestly, um, the bees love the oxalis. And I'm saying this from perspective of the landlord, uh, but of course, yeah, naturally sure. speaking, whatever sure. occurs na naturally in nature should be celebrated, and we should be using that everywhere rather than, yeah, planting grass that requires uh, water and other attention. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh it's just it's interesting too because he, he the uh, that poem that I wrote is only a title. There's actually no poem to it. I started it. Because that's usually how I'll write is I'll start with a I'll start with a usually like one sentence or two or a title will come to me. And from that title, I'll build the poem, you know, because the title really is just a, a, another line. It's really the, the it's a false start is what it is. You know, but I mean, I can see how the title gives you the entire mood and thought almost as much as like in Dada art where the title became the art itself mm -hmm. you know you had a urinal but it was the the title and uh, or you had I, I remember there was one I think a snow plowing like a um, shovel yeah. and the title was something like a men's broken back and you know so it was the title that made the piece of art so yeah. the title makes oftentimes I can see that in yeah. your and the poetry of, of driving being the driving force behind what absolutely two years is a long time to sit on a sentence like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but that poem is probably never going to exist because i'm trying to capture a moment that i end up experiencing often where i'm sitting in my backyard watching the plants grow You know, and I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take that moment that I really enjoy and make it eternal or what I can conceive as possibly being eternal. A couple hundred years, uh, maybe maybe a thousand years, you know, but like I, I'm also very comfortable now, finally, with the idea that I am likely not going to be no one's going to know who I am in a thousand years. Uh, frankly, I'd much rather they didn't know who I was in a thousand years because I don't want that society, that future society, if there is one, I don't want that future society to, to end up idolizing me in any way because of something I may have written or um, putting me on some sort of pedestal that I don't deserve, building a statue of me, <laughs> you know? I don't want any of that because it's not going to serve that future society very well to have what is likely going to be the wrong idea about who I was as a person in the society I lived in, right? And to apply my learnings and my teachings to their, that, to that future, um, it's likely going to do them a disservice. Well, it's not going to impact me at all. I, I'd agree to it to a certain extent that the notion you, which you were trying to explain or which you think that you were trying to evoke through a through this poem, which is to appreciate the moment. I think what you're trying to do is to explain in words something that it cannot be explained in words. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a mood, a feeling, an energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it itself, 
I mean, for millennia, I think people have been trying to do that with spirituality in the Absolutely. End. That's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you're trying to get into the spirit of things, enjoying the moment and no, seeing it as, yes, as something that will, will be done in hundreds of years. I mean, you're trying to get to become one with the energy. You're trying to feel the energy. And one could say that that is at heart of many uh, spiritual traditions. Um, and yes, as with all of them, some more poetically have been able to try and explain the feelings and ideas so as to put you in that mood. Um, and I mean, was it for naught? Some of it has stuck, some of it speaks to some. So similarly, your uh, scribblings may speak to someone and if there's only one, maybe it's it's enough to, um, I, I suppose it could feel as enough to, to have been worth doing because again, you will, you will have been able to communicate that. Though, um, as I mentioned in our previous unrecorded session, I have seen, yes, uh, in a film, um, father of a character who was a supposedly a brilliant poet and wrote uh, richly and beautifully about the world and love but refused to publish it out of disdain for the humankind who has failed to learn how to love one another <laughs> over millennia and he said he was just he was pissed off at humans and would not do it so I mean will anybody know this will anybody have read his stuff no uh, will it make a difference? Perhaps not. Maybe that's not what it's about, right? Um, I think we try to give ourselves this responsibility to our future generations, but shouldn't those generations just do it themselves? Well, I mean, we can't. Well, also too, I think we 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 also put we also we also discount the connection between us and the future too, right? We're not we're not seeing it as this sort of linear approach it's we sort of skip over like i'm thinking about 200 years from now well what about what about 10 years from now right you know when you're still here and it's still the future you know uh what about what about 20 years from now what about next year you and know that's where that moment comes in where if if you're truly i think perhaps in the moment and are able to just from this to the next situation think about making the right choice um maybe that's that's what should be the driving factor. Not to say you should completely uh, uh, give up on planning and making things, but yeah, trying to be more so present, uh, which in our society currently is being much, much, much more discouraged than ever. Yeah, is to get caught up into certain patterns of be it behavior or you know. Um, I don't know social interaction and to just stay stuck in that and to be directed by outside forces yeah rather than to just say no be in a moment and choose by yourself the next step rather than uh, going off of what a computer program might think you might be best for you although who are we to say that that isn't the best way to go along maybe maybe you should just allow somebody else to make decisions I mean one could say most of our decisions are not made by us but by circumstances around us yeah and algorithms and <laughs> algorithms i mean to what degree this train trend that's going to be going by you know making the noise and i don't know create bringing people here and so on is something that we didn't have anything to do with but soon somebody will walk by us who could change our perspective of that moment and who knows how that will go snowballing butterfly effect i i yeah you just kind of got me speechless just now just thinking about that <laughs> That's rare. That is so rare. Um, 
when you came to the United States, uh, what surprised you the most about how people interacted with each other? The new world? Um, it's interesting because there's almost a dichotomy in it, which is everybody's much friendlier, yet at the same time, it is harder to get to know people. Which you wouldn't think would go hand in hand, but it does in a way where, you know, we have developed kind of a friendly way to uh, interact with one another, but we're more guarded to let people in and to be more spontaneous and more intimate with people, I think. Mm -hmm. it's, it's much more so guarded. And I don't know whether it is in the physical setup of suburbia where you grow up separated and you don't think that you should be mixing in as much or you see it as almost a hostile something a possibility of something going wrong there's a percentage go up of there being uh, perpetrators uh, violent behavior and others with more people you're surrounded and I, I think whereas if you i think grow up in it and you you see that as being the norm you're more likely i think to be open to people and maybe people in cities that way um are more so open to one another, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. But anyway, that, that's what it was. It was, uh, people were very friendly, but it worked hard to get to know one another. I was told quickly there were subjects not to be uh, spoken about, that in America you don't talk about how much money you make. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I guess at 13, 14, uh, when me and my brother came here, it was, the idea of money was, uh, came up a lot, I guess, it, it was a big, for you or for in our lives yeah. yeah 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 same from you know <clears throat> also coming from having witnessed i mean having witnessed a an end of a of an era you know watching somewhat consciously because i i started when i was probably nine or so the crumbling of the communist system so watching a, a crumbling of an economic and social and cultural system to a degree in the country um at the same time as being brought up with uh, uh, you know, praising the uh, all the accomplishment of this said system that's going away because we in school where had classes where it was literally a communism class where where you were being taught about the, yeah. the, all the great things about communism and maybe some history. Um, so yeah, it was a an interesting way to um, to come here and see a a different system that functions in a completely different way and is motivated by totally different things and money being a, a big one that played a role in it. Um, and we were not allowed to talk about um, that money and that was just an odd thing I remember. People just did not want to discuss And now I kind of get it. It's somewhat of an instinctive thing. I know not to talk about it, but it's, but I, don't, I don't understand really. I, I think now. I understand why. I mean, growing up very poor for the most part, um, I, I think it's a rich person thing. I think rich people don't want to talk about their money. That's true. They're ashamed almost. Well, I think that they're ashamed to talk about it in front of people they're not certain might be right. poor. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, you know, I mean, think about any time you've had something that you know somebody near you needs. Mm. You don't want to, you don't want to mention it because you don't want them, you don't necessarily want them to ask you for some, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was always Halloween candy, you know? I don't want my I don't want anyone in my family to know how much Halloween candy I have left because they're because the only reason they're going to want to know is because they're going to ask me for some, you know, it's the same thing with money, you I know, guess you're right. 
Money is weird because everybody needs it, whether you want it or not, you need it at some point. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to survive, of course, in yeah, yeah. you know, especially in a city, you know. Um, well, I think the idea of being able to survive without money, even in a country, is slowly fading away from our civilization. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's it's seen as a fringe behavior, being quote unquote off the grid, whereas that was the way that we, one could say, were meant to live in this world yeah although i find myself increasingly talking about um, humans being the only animals that truly don't seem to fit in nature yeah you know we need to wear clothes no other animal dresses themselves we uh we need to uh hmm, build nah, no other societies you know yeah I, <laughs> That well, we need to, you know, protect our skin from the sun. How is that? How could we naturally be meant to be here if we cannot be truly freely out in the elements? You know, we we couldn't survive unless we really were an agrarian society. Unless we, you know, I mean, hunting and gathering. I, I don't know that we could survive at this point in the numbers that we're in, especially. Oh yeah, I don't, so, I don't um, think we could. Yeah, it's just we we don't seem to belong. We're we're animals that kind of are oddly placed here well i mean like we're we we have created a, a at least a couple of generations currently that exist on this planet who could not fend for themselves if thrown if thrust into the wildlife you know yeah uh and not, that's not to say that's not a horrible thing but it'll be unfortunate if that is what takes place if that's I mean, what happens that's you know? what civilization i suppose that's the downfall of a civilization is that you are going to cre create people further removed from their natural or from nature i suppose right period well there's there's only so many places where a human being can live and thrive right mm -hmm. um there are only so many sunny places where food grows bountiful, right. <laughs> you know. There are only so many places that aren't frozen tundra. There are only so many places that aren't, uh, you know, going through decades of famine, you know. So maybe we were meant to just stick in those certain places. I mean, there are places, uh, and there were, were, I guess is keyword. maybe still are cultures that live in a very close way to nature. And... Mm -hmm. um, our civilization is now impeding on that and destroying it slowly. Man, what a what a positive view we have on <laughs> humanity, huh? I tell you. I mean, we're I, you know I mean it, it's it's I think we're just you know especially coming out of a pandemic, we're sort of I mean it's it's readily apparent to me that we are we're really not ready to be. I, in my in my view, we in order for us to uh, advance any further, we need to stop making more humans. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I certainly <laughs> we, agree. I, I have this this. I, I was working on this theory for a while where I really believe like it would be it would behoove humanity to um, uh, to sort of volunteer like, hey, give give these people you know like anyone who's willing to not have kids give them an extra hundred thousand dollars <laughs> you know give them an extra whatever whatever's gonna make them happy you know a, a little piece of land you know something uh give them something you know um or uh anyone who's willing to adopt 
you know mm. if you're willing to adopt and take a kid in you get a little extra you know you get a little extra but you got to prove yourself you can't just like all right here's a bedroom for you go to bed i'm not right. going to i'm not actually going to raise you you know i think it's counterintuitive though to um to 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 the uh, e- economy the economic view to stop producing humans because we are consumers we're customers oh, yeah. the more customers the better not only that the more of me the more of us the more we can do things our way um, yes. there are cultures whose sole purpose is to encourage breeding have more kids have more kids so there'll be more of us as we encroach on land of <clears throat> people who are maybe living in places that we want. I mean, right yeah. now you could look at the whole Ukrainian uh, uh, conflict as being justified by Russians by saying, hey, there are there's some of us living there yeah. and they should be treated this or that way. And maybe because they live there, that should be us. Hmm. So it's us. So let's multiply us so there'll be more of us and less of them. I mean, through history that had happened, in fact, in that area of the world where whole people were picked up and moved elsewhere and said, nope, this is no longer yours. Now let's bring new people. This is you now. This is us. Now uh, we're so much diaspora throughout the world. But you're right. Because of that, we don't obviously need more people. Um, we we don't we don't need more people. We I mean I love I love humanity. I really do. We I have love, done a lot of great things. I mean that conversations like this can always be turned around and looked at the beauty and wonder of of humans throughout millennia and we have done wonderful things poetry being one of them i mean the fact that you and you're welcome <laughs> can discuss uh, ideas and thoughts of somebody who lived you know five six hundred years ago yeah and, and and truly be moved by what they thought said and or also yeah that'd be a springboard to our own creation i mean is is valuable no matter how you look at it and yeah. even some of the natural world that we've screwed up so much we have created some wonderful things at the same time i mean the advent of science uh you know that has destroyed so much at the same time has saved so much i mean how yeah. many people have been saved and are walking around today because of the advent of science which is adding <laughs> to the problem of overpopulation but nonetheless it's i i mean i mean for everyone who's here you, you deserve life you deserve to be treated uh, you deserve to be treated with respect and kindness uh, unless you in that in those moments don't reciprocate that 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 don't kindness I mean then you you're getting on to you know it's subjective so according to whom right. which culture uh, which I, that's so I guess that, that's my philosophy that's my my belief system and I think that you probably you probably feel the same way I would imagine to some degree Certainly. Yeah. Um, uh, I think you know. I'm definitely. I definitely try to abide by the golden rule. You know, treat others as you would. I think that's really what it comes down to. Because if you were to sit and truly ponder that idea, everything should work. It should. One thing that right now, as I discuss this with my fellow poles, and I have a few uh, surrounding me, um, there, you know. Uh, right now, with the conflict happening, uh, the war in Ukraine, there are a lot of people fleeing the country and going into neighboring countries. So I believe Romania, Moldova, Poland. Poland has taken some a million and a half people now who are oftentimes being housed in people's houses. Yeah. They're being taken in. They're being given jobs. They're being, you know, the people have empathized with 
this nation to such a degree that it's almost uh, uh, unprecedented mm -hmm. that they've just taken them in and made made things work for them. So we are capable of such good things that also come on millions of times over. Right. Yeah. And and this is the, that kindness. This is exactly comes from you know the golden rule, treating others the way. Because I think you know Poles historically we've been there and we would have probably enjoyed the same. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that any other nation doesn't feel the same way and do the same things, but I think that's just as human beings. I think we all could, should, would uh, benefit, yeah, from just pondering the treating uh, others the way we want to be treated. Before we met up, I was actually having a conversation with uh, the barista because uh, he asked me what I thought of, you know, the way, uh, the way, the way the world is sort of viewing this conflict, uh, this war in Ukraine. Um, and how they're how the refugees are being treated and what have you, versus say Iran, Iraq. Oh, you know? and uh, you know, and I, I can't, I don't think I can have this conversation uh, about about any sort of conflict, any sort of war, without sort of also recognizing sort of the inherent racism <laughs> involved in uh, in how we treat all. Right. All conflicts that involve any sort of refugees. Though you know? I don't know that that should minimize no. any. Because, I mean, either way, these people are not ones that brought, that asked for this. Right. And, right. of course, there is horrible injustices and racism going on. But that doesn't mean that a certain group of people does deserve more of a right. of better treatment than others. Yeah, what has been happening. And, I mean, this is just a media-driven thing, really. That, yes, there was not... Not the same uh, 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 world solidarity is shown to countries that are not seen as, and this is said even, that are not quote unquote civilized. Yeah. You know, and we could discuss that whole idea. What does it mean? Because even some of them say that Russia, uh, Russia, the Ukraine is somewhat civilized or like semi civilized or something like that. It's like, what, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. So how are these people less civilized than any others? Or how are, yeah, Iranians who, you know, who come from a freaking history such that has influenced our society? Mm -hmm. How are they less civilized than we are? Or Iraq, where the freaking the beginnings of freaking human civilizations have begun and we think that we're more civilized than them? We were, you know, we, and I mean by that, the majority of, of this Western uh, uh, um, world, was still knocking around rocks when they were building societies, you know? So it's it's yeah. it's a ridiculous notion. But unfortunately, yeah, it is true that, of, of course, um, you can see that. And I've seen this before, you know, the talk of, of a kid that in Ukraine walked 500 miles to uh, the Polish border by himself to seek freedom and being celebrated for that. Whereas a kid that did the same, you know, in El Salvador, Guatemala, or Mexico, wherever, is seen as some sort of a imposter and, you know, a... a um, bandit in training coming yeah. to, to the United States. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, 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 there are some peoples that have been treated like that forever, for millennia, the, you know, the Roma people and others that were nomads. And yeah, we're creating somewhat of a, a unnatural nomads. Well, I'll say this, um, you know, uh, I'm trying real hard to be civilized. <laughs> But uh, I, I know that that's not not an insult. <laughs> if you look at the, what these quote unquote civilized civilized nations have done throughout history, it's horrible. It's horrible. Horrible. Purposely killing, purposely driving their own in, entire industries to create weapons that will kill en masse, and then putting en them masse. into practice. Yeah. 
just to testing and testing testing and testing, testing, and, testing. And, and then using yeah. be it yeah. you know cluster bombs chemical warfare yes nuclear weapons but there's so many nations around the world that have developed weapons used them for whatever gains you know that were you know germany which obviously during world war ii was thought like and world war one how could such a civilized nation that gave us so many musicians so many philosophers so many artists so many writers could become so degraded as to promote yeah. such ideals yeah. and then you know all the others the brits and the, the things they've done around the world i mean in just inconceivable cruelties and yet they're the judges now of what civilized means yeah against yeah. the very people who whose downfall they created mm -hmm. so uh, i find this interesting when people talk to me about failures of communism when i have to remind them that part of the reason that that system failed was not just its own shortcomings but it was the western world's desire to make sure they fail so you know everything was made hard for them yeah not to say to justify whatever regimes uh behaviors but the people would have possibly made it work if the other world at least left it alone but yeah. not well like we do with like we mostly do with china and cuba <laughs> cuba i mean poor cubans yeah I mean, did, why, you know, if they had access to all the same, you know, trade and ability to travel and other things, who's to say that their system wouldn't work and would be less cruel and so on and so forth and would be able to develop? It's not just their failure. It's also what we put on them and how right. we try and we, 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 manipulate them. They're not, they're not, they don't live in a bubble, even though we, we, we like we, to think. We like to think they do. Yeah. We like to think that we are in a bubble, of course, too. Yeah. And you're right. The, the China is obviously like another huge one. Well, we need them. Exactly. That's yeah. just we need everyone. That's the thing we need to realize. We need each other. Right. We cannot live by killing each other. It's uh, you have so much propaganda that has really, you know, it's really made uh, socialism and communism mean the same thing, and somehow fascism also means right means socialism and Any communism. Any ism, you know. Um, it's all isms. And they're all bad, and they're all they're all the same thing. Um, and this sort of this fear of like a unified world uh, that you know America's number one at, at what like at military yeah well, yeah we might we might be number one actually so well we, depends we spend, on how you look at it too well we certainly well we're number one at military spending that's for spending, sure spending certainly and and outreach yeah. certainly if you can say it like that in a somewhat but you know, again, what brings us in together is all that art again, because that just that speaks with whatever language it may be. It's trying to evoke what unites us, I think, more so than what divides us. But isn't there art that sort of that uses poor propaganda that separates too? You know, it's thought-provoking, and that's something I think that art is meant to do. Art. Mm -hmm. by nature is I mean at first for a long time it was meant to represent nature and I think once we mastered the ability to represent nature then there was a dilemma of what is art mean now mm -hmm. and I think that's when it became more of, of a conceptual idea mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier where now the concept is being and so yes sometimes to drive a feeling to drive a conversation some art that seemingly may divide perhaps is meant to be seen as a neutral way of exchanging ideas without having to, I don't know, live through those ideas because they're just 
and I mean the best example would be obviously film where you can create something to evoke a feeling and make you see that okay we don't want this to happen rather than mm-hmm. go through it to see that we don't want it right. to happen so that right. art maybe that's divisive is also going to that's a good point and and you know we increasingly live in a society that does not want to talk about things it does not want to talk about oh man where the cancellation of ideas is you know and if we could have a whole other conversation about that but we should cherish the ability to to be able to discuss things i, I a lot of the things that i mean i i i want to talk about everything i honestly do i want to talk about everything um i won't necessarily enjoy all of it you know i won't uh, some of it will be painful some of it will hurt but i'll have a better understanding of it and maybe it won't hurt as much and that's the by thing under, by understanding it that we may be all just running away from the discomforts and and our society has has been more and more moving us towards just running away from any sort of discomfort be it physical or emotional or any other way whereas i think that yeah we need to kind of learn to enjoy the processes which are sometimes hard mm-hmm. and they're meant to be hard because you are able to learn more from i mean that's that's another one but you can certainly learn from hardships mm-hmm. uh, and it may be even more so that you learn from hardships than you do from comforts um, and the good one there's a parenthood you know where you as a parent want to give your children everything you didn't have in the best childhood but at the same time if you hand them everything obviously they will have no appreciation for it so you have to balance trying yeah. to give them things they need with them having to struggle a little bit to appreciate what they have mm-hmm. and if that balance is thrown off, it can create, you know, both sides of the spectrum, whether they're spoiled or they're others who uh, will do anything for money. What was, uh, what, what's your relationship with your parents now? Um, my parents, um, who are both divorced, uh, live on two different continents. Um, my mother lives in Poland still, and I do talk to her semi-regularly. Uh, my father lives here. Um, I have been recently talking to him more, also trying to kind of rebuild that relationship. Having, being a parent myself and seeing where my relationship with my children goes as they grow older. Um, and kind of seeing the, uh, the other side of the coin of parent relationship, which is this is why, you know, biologically, however you want to say, we're meant to perhaps reproduce so as to be able to appreciate our own parents and therefore others. Um, But I can see that, yeah, the effort uh, my parents would put in is something that I also should be putting in if I want to see the same effort from my children. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's uh, something you don't appreciate as a human being for a long time, I think. And the moment you start appreciating it sometimes is late. Yeah. Is it too late? I don't know. But is is later in life where we try and liberate ourselves from, you know, uh, a, a, a people who are authorities of sort and maybe parents were that, and then realize that there's much more to it than uh, than met the eye. How old are your kids now? Seventeen and fifteen. Man, and they're they're their ages, which are meant to do what they do too. You know, uh, all the things I think that. I've learned through the years was that we need to behave in certain ways so as to be able to go through those behaviors at those stages rather than, you know, maybe if you give in to these behaviors, then they then the kids have to go through them at a later stage, which may just no longer be the appropriate or the best suited time mm-hmm. to be going through 
whatever it may be. So as teenagers, you're supposed to, I think, be have a disdain for authority, for people who think that they should tell you what to do, uh, for norms, for, you know, whatever it may be. You kind of want to rebel. You rebel against rebelling. It's just, it's, it's what you're supposed to be doing at that age because yeah. you can and you have the mental facilities to, I think, um, to start and see who you may end up becoming and to thrive for that. And if you guided well enough to stop acting the way you're being, but rather becoming something because of the way you're acting. Are your kids becoming people that you, are they, are they, you think they're gonna become adults that you're excited to get to know more and more and more? I don't know that I should have an opinion. <laughs> they yeah. should be who they wanna be. That's you know? fair, I yeah. think that's what recently we're discovering, but also I think to a degree where we're being irresponsible with it, where we're letting children make a lot of decisions they should not be making. Yeah. Um, or in dire industries are pushing for us to allow our children to just give in to their every desire. I don't know that that's always right, but yeah, I think that having children is not about really wanting to create this dull like, you know, person from the different parts that you say, oh, I'm gonna put them in this school so they'll have this and yeah. here and here and they're gonna come out and be this. Who the hell are, am I to say what they should be? I, mean, I certainly didn't want to be told what to be. I think everybody would say that. Yeah. So why would I want... I would like to create an environment for them where they can comfortably choose who they want to be. Yeah. Uh, and I would hope that it would make them content if not happy. But if they chose to be unhappy, mm -hmm. who am I to say that that's wrong? If they want to be unhappy, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's an extreme, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Like it is what I perceive certainly as happy may not be what they perceive as happy. So I, how can I try and steer them in one way or another? Yeah. I'd like to be able to have um, discourse about these things with them. So I'd like for them to be mindful individuals who, who give some thought to their behavior. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that, yeah, that I, can comfortably say that I will be responsible for any of who they are and nor should I I don't think celebrate it I understand that people want to be proud of their children and proud of who they've become but I'm not sure that that pride maybe we should just let them become who they will become and support them and love them no matter what unconditionally I think that's my only job is to unconditionally love my kids because to come back to an earlier subject, you know, of a friend who's in prison for doing something horrible, I often wonder how the parents of people who have done something horrible live with themselves, knowing that maybe they had a hand in it, and or how do they still continue loving their children, knowing what those children have done? Obviously, yeah. you can think of the monsters through our history. Um, yeah, would, would, did, was Hitler's mom proud of Hitler? Right. Yeah. And you know, like, the, the murderers on death row and so, so on, you know, should those parents love their children? I mean, that's there's a parental love that no matter what your kid has done, he's gonna be there. But also at the same time, I feel like it's kind of none, it's none of my business. And that's the you other know? thing, yeah. Yeah, it's none of my business how the relationships that that person has with anyone else. They're, as far as I'm concerned, I guess, I hope they have relationships with other people. I, I want them to. Exactly, you want them to, because well, that'll make them possibly a better human being. Yeah because the more they interact with others, the more they'll see that their behavior towards others, the better it is, the better it is returned. Mm -hmm. um, and that could create a better world. You were going to, uh, you were gonna move to Copenhagen. Uh, that was the plan. You were gonna move to Copenhagen 2020, correct? Yeah, that sounds, yeah, it was yeah. 2020. 
Yes, um, no. Uh, I just in in light of everything we've been talking about and striving for a culture and society that truly is trying to uh, better their own um, environment and relations. It seems like a country that's oftentimes been voted to be the happiest place in the world must be onto something. And having traveled there for many years, befriending its citizens and just uh, reading about studying it and having the ability to as a European citizen, I thought, why not be a creative of my own creator of my own uh, faith? If yeah. it will be. But I was uh, quickly uh, bitch slapped by life and told uh, you will you will take what you're given. The, the, and that was I mean, you were you were all set. You're packed up. You were about to go and Man, the container was coming. It yeah. was literally that day. It was on its way to pick up our stuff and the flights were being canceled and everything was thrown into such turmoil where it was really almost impossible to find loopholes to be able to um, to get in there and then set up life because that's once again this would and I I had my own um, trepidations about once again changing cultures. Sorry, a guy just walked by, probably coming from San Jose State University, walked by us carrying a very large ceramic heart. Kind of cool, and he's got a big blue beanie on purple. Blue? I don't know. Can't tell. Yeah, Too colorblind. It's a large. That's a head size, almost heart. Yeah, yeah. It's a heart the size of a head. Lots of ventricles. Uh, unpainted. I love the fact because I've always thought of myself as somebody with a big heart, and I've described you as someone with a big heart to a number of people. Mm. So it was kind of neat to see somebody walk by literally carrying a big heart. <laughs> That's true. It was uh, there was something very poetic about that moment, you know. See, now that would be a good statue or a good sculpture. Of a heart, a huge heart, a huge heart. Yeah. Um, I interrupted what we were talking about. Oh, so um, pandemic put a, a halt to your move. I wouldn't call it a halt at this point. I think um, my wife and I have both accepted that it changed. It changed the idea because I don't. I we're we're no longer gonna uh, holding on to the idea of moving for a number of reasons. Um, but I mean, I guess I was forced to um, contemplate the idea whether you know changing physical locations is going to change life, or maybe this is about more of a perspective and and being where one is appreciating what one has. And it has done that. It has certainly made me appreciate a lot of things, including relationships, because that's the other thing, you know, you, we would have abandoned in a way or left a lot of relationships only to create new ones. And that in itself was an exciting venture. Mm -hmm. But um, there is something to be said for being able to have and be surrounded by so many, mm -hmm. so many relationships and so many people and, and, you know, having created somewhat of a, of a circle of acquaintances and friends that um, that one is a part of. Yeah. It was hard to think of leaving it all. As you may recall, since you were invited to the going away party, which became uh, hey, we're not going yeah. away party. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was, I, I was so sad that you guys were going to be moving. I was, I was incredibly sad. Um, not to a point of crying yet. Um, but I, I probably would have gotten there because I really, uh, I really love you both. Uh, and I, I love your, your two people who, uh, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've referred to you both, uh, uh, as the most beautiful couple downtown. 
Oh, uh, that's awful kind of you. And um, and and I, and I said, you know, and I, 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 I think I said then too that I was I was ultimately very happy for the fact that you weren't moving, but also sad because I understand what it means to shift your life in that way. But I think for me. For you, I think the intention was that it was going to be a permanent move, whereas I have never done that. I have never intentionally moved somewhere knowing that the, the goal was to be there forever, you know? You know, it seems very presumptuous to to think that that's... Because, I mean, life obviously, as is evident, throws Again, all sorts of curves. But, intentioned, right? But you're right, the intention was... Although we had recognized that it may be a beginning of a nomadic behavior yeah, totally that if we could make it work there the idea was if we're going to struggle as we're struggling here a lot of us are struggling here in the bay area why not struggle somewhere where we really enjoy the culture and society not to say we don't enjoy it here because we found out a lot of ways in which we do especially prior to leaving you know we were forced to uh, uh, look in the face of a lot of things we're going to be leaving and know that we're not going to see or experience uh, in Denmark, namely, I mean, big one for Bay Area is weather. Um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> it, w- it was something that we, you know, we, we were not looking forward to. Um, so with not going, there were a lot of positives that all of a sudden we thought, oh, yeah. let's look at the positives. Let's, let's try not to think about everything we're not getting to do. Let's think about everything we are going to get to s- mm-hmm. still, quote unquote, do, but maybe have opportunities to do. Yeah. But it changed the relationship to our, to everything, to our work, to our place where we are, to our families. Even as my um, wife's family, you know, was ecstatic that their daughter wasn't going to be moving to a different continent. Yeah. But I, and I, see, I look at it like, I mean, I've seen so many people leave San Jose, mm. um, and and. For me, it was I was very sad until I started traveling, and I realized like, oh, now I can go and visit them. I can go and explore their their world, their new world. Sure, you know. Uh, and that was that was always that was ultimately always an exciting proposition for me. Now, granted, I've visited maybe one tenth of those friends, mm. but a lot of people have moved away from San Jose, and I think that's. When I hear that somebody's moving away from San Jose, I'm not surprised because I understand why someone might leave this city. Because it oftentimes the people who are leaving, they have found nothing to hold them here, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it takes. You have to be held here, you know. Mm. Um, for me now, it used to be well. This is where my family is. My family's here, so that holds me, you know. And then it became community. The community holds me here. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, it's. It's it's a little bit of my community. It's a little bit of my family. It's a little bit of the weeds in my garden. Yeah. You know, it's um, the weather for sure. You know, yeah. um, you know. California still has a lot of benefits that oh. a lot of other co- uh, states, let alone countries, don't have. So, right. Yes. It's right. almost when you travel outside and see what you cannot have there that you really I mean it's often said that you have to leave where you are to appreciate where you were yeah and I found myself never for at least my first years of being here in the United States never being such a Polish patriot Mm -hmm. until I came here and I truly you know became Polish whereas before that being in Poland I wanted to get get out of Poland of course but it's all you knew that's right 
Well, I had traveled. I had I had seen East Germany, East Berlin. I went to Hungary, um, and I went all over Poland. Um, and I got, but I with the Germany and the and the Hungary, I got to see something new and different, and kind of began to see that there were other ways of living and other possibilities as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you? When's the last time you were in Poland? You know, that's uh, that has come up a lot recently. I think it was prior to that uh, move. We had gone that uh, like three, four months prior. So 2020, 2019 winter, I think. Uh, went to Copenhagen and went to Poland. Uh, do you... What, uh, have you ever thought about living in Poland again? Well, as this all of this pandemic was hitting and the immigration was becoming an issue, though being a European citizen, it was obvious that each country now was starting to shut down and kind of protect its own uh, citizens and for no other reason because of the pandemic and its nature. So the, the plan got changed to going to Poland and living in Poland for a few months and then making a way into Denmark. Um, so yes, that and that was honestly for a week there, I think. It was a, a dream come true in a way because um, I would be able to live uh, for a few months there in Poland awaiting our move to Copenhagen and be able to truly just live and enjoy being there. And such a different perspective, I thought, of on, on entire life as enjoying it rather than, you know, as a kid, you know, there were struggles because, oh, yes, yeah. we were poor and you're a kid and growing up. And so now to be able to kind of take a, a long extended vacation there um, with the possibility we thought yeah, of possibly staying or coming back. Um, but as often I, I say that Poland that is there now is not the Poland that I left, uh, which inherently is true of every place you sure. leave and come back. But really with the political system changing and economic and culture, um, it is now a country that's completely different than the country I left. Um, and I'm not sure that I feel at home there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've never really truly felt at home here. So as I've often said, and I, um, I kind of don't feel like I belong anywhere. I now belong everywhere. Mm. And I think that everyone ought to experience that to truly start appreciating the people over there, the others, yeah. be it, you know, whether they're represented as some kind of evil mongers or just different and, you know, their behavior bizarre and wrong. Well, I think if you live there for a while, you may find another opinion, which is obvious, but it truly has made me appreciate more the international human brotherhood, although in today's day and age, it probably wouldn't be called that. Um, and the fact that nations are just really created by obviously geopolitical issues and we should really just celebrate everyone mm -hmm. and everyone should be uh, taken just as seriously everybody's life as, as another. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm International workers of the world should unite. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Or it was not international. They were the uh, industrial workers of the world. Industrial workers of the world. I yeah, I guess in, international workers of the world would be pretty redundant, right? It is often though IWW, the, the, the union that tried to unite the world, um, is often said uh, mistakenly as international, but yeah. it was industrial. And that was just the thing they were trying to even let go of the idea, I think, of there being nations and just saying we're all humans. Yeah, yeah. We're all working. We all should be united against being taken advantage of, no matter which country, what creed, what era even you're in. 
what um what always makes you frustrated with humanity what always guaranteed you're always gonna it's always gonna frustrate you I think trying to push ideas on others um, I do have a friend who uh, has many shortcomings but one year I found out that his uh, New Year's resolution was to not try and convince anyone of anything and initially uh, on the face of it it seems almost like a cop-out I think and uh, laziness of sorts but when I thought about it I saw the a lot of the positiveness in it and it's just it comes down you can a concentrate on your on your own behavior mm-hmm. um, and you know I've heard it said that the best thing you can do for others is to work on yourself mm-hmm. and you know so yeah not trying to tell others how to live there's a, a, a tremendous amount of energy that goes into that and oftentimes that energy could be used elsewhere and especially I think on working on yourself because who is truly so great as to uh, be able to tell somebody else how to live we're all so different we all need to experiment we all need to reinvent our own wheel um, granted yes you know education and certain things yes but uh, overall I would say that yeah that's one thing that frustrates me when others you know be it standing on a street corner with a microphone trying to tell you what you should think or who you are what's gonna happen to you to uh, you know news media to politicians to uh, people interpreting history and telling you this is how you should feel about this event this is what it is yeah um, there's a lot of those folks in this city <laughs> and in our world I think we've, yeah. we've recognized that we have an extreme a lot of power with that mm-hmm. and I mean even then right now there's a lot to be said for the the current war in Ukraine to bring it up again <laughs> um, being played out on social media one of the very first ones where people are trying to be swayed one way or another um, this is I heard this from my mother specifically in Poland where uh, accounts of you know behavior that would um, impose the article 5 of NATO there's uh, as you know uh, so Russia attacking or somehow breaking a rule of NATO's so it was said that a, a Russian plane was seen in the skies and this was quickly sent through the social media and it was at some point discovered that it was very likely being pushed by uh, a propaganda to try and get people riled up and get them to say hey let's go and fight and I mean we've all lived through that through every war yeah. uh, every war has really presented itself at one point or another with a choice and and it could have been prevented perhaps uh, or was driven to by outside forces that were seen as possibly making some bucks off of it mm-hmm. or something else power yeah, yeah. what uh, what human behavior always makes you happy makes Kindness you smile and to just desire to help mm-hmm. um, I think anybody who's willing to stop and you know help somebody stand up get up or just extend a kind word or a kind gesture um, and or not frown upon it so even going back again you know to whom you should be nice to uh, whether you should continue having a friendly relationship with a, a convicted uh, you know um, felon um, I think that there's something inherently uh, uh, heartwarming about seeing people being kind to one another uh, even if that person others may seem does not deserve the kindness I think and maybe especially when that happens yeah I think I, I agree with you on that yeah yeah uh, and that that makes me happy too kindness as a matter of fact it oftentimes it'll make me cry 
in a way, right. you know, where yeah. like, like I'll be so uh, overwhelmed with emotion because yeah. of a kindness. There was a, um, I used to work as a matter of fact, just on the other side of this block, uh, where we are now, um, there's a FedEx office, mm. uh, which used to be a Kinko's mm. where I would make copies and this elderly gentleman would come in every once in a while. I don't know how old he was, but I mean, I, I think I can honestly get away with calling him elderly cause he was, he was quite old mm. and he would shuffle in and he was so, I don't want to say timid. He was just very aware of everybody else and no one was aware of him hmm. uh, in a well, way except for you well you, right right uh, but he was a customer so I was initially drawn to him because I had to help him um, but then from that point on every time I saw him um, there was he exuded a kindness and a gentleness that I can barely describe I can barely explain it because it was so visceral so tangible you know I could feel it I could taste it I could see it I could hear it you know I could mm -hmm. smell it um, and I don't know maybe maybe he wasn't a good person at one point in his life maybe he maybe he committed right. some bad actions you know right. I don't know I have no idea but I know that this man in that in those moments every time I saw him there was such a kindness about him that he would, he was constantly just letting people cut in front of him, you know, mm. to the point where people just didn't notice him and he had no, it, it didn't bother him in any way whatsoever. And he was so at peace with everything. And then his voice was like, oh, hello, you know, just so gentle, you mm. know, that as soon as I was done, like I was, I was holding it in, right? I'm holding it all in. And as soon as I was done helping him and he'd leave, I'd excuse myself and go into the bathroom so I could weep. Wow. Yeah. That's... So that I could weep. Uh, when's the last time you wept? Well, that showed your humility. Um, wept. My cat or cried. died. Oh, yeah. Wept was when my cat died. Cried, I surprisingly, today sitting there. I mean, this is just somewhat driven by, a, I wouldn't call it paranoia. But I thought about with, again, I've what's going on in Ukraine. I bring it up because, yes, it's close and dear to me because, first of all, the country is borders with Poland and Poland will be the place where, and already is, where all the NATO forces are amassing at most of them and where a lot of weapons are moving and being supplied to the Ukrainians. And there's a possibility of being drawn into a war. Um, you know, for Poles growing up, I think for almost any generation after World War II, war was portrayed in such a fashion whereas it is it is truly terrible to see the destruction that world war ii brought to the polish nation is ridiculous you know i understand that of course uh the japanese uh, nagasaki hiroshima is it's that is unspeakable and that was you know uh, 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 killed thousands of people but i think fifty thousand in nagasaki and more in hiroshima i don't know exact uh, numbers but the methodically what the Germans did in Poland and the Soviets is just, you know, destroying entire cities, destroying entire cultures, uh, people trying to erase them um, is just it, 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 it's so much at the forefront of our, uh, um, our our identity as a nation to where 
I, thinking about possibly being drawn into another war and having talked to my family about what they would want to do and it really being almost tangible that that's something that they truly fear uh, that is possible you know that brought me to tears today I thought like what would happen if if a war started and and the city I, I'm from, the, where my family lives, was to get bombed and or even nuked. <laughs> Sorry for the expression, but yes, no. um, you know, it would be. Um, I was just, I was thinking about that, and so yes, that, that brought me to tears. Yeah, it has would, been a long time. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that uh, that would bring just about anybody to tears thinking about their home, their home being right, destroyed. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Um, yeah I understand that. I think uh, I know I had I know I shed some tears probably within the last couple of weeks but it was it was something that was probably very simple you know it's just very like a I witnessed a kindness or 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 a sadness you know um, but you, you know the, the, the crying to, to many is a different thing right some people's exp- uh, are just a lot of events in their lives will bring on tears, uh, and so I mean, I'm, I'm I'm somewhat of a psychopath in the way that I do work in a healthcare field, and where I have to keep my yeah. emotions aside to a lot of uh, uh, pain and suffering, and you know I have to work with the pain and suffering, um, and so I've, I'm somewhat uh, calloused. So to me, it just it's. And I don't know if it's a good, bad thing, but I just, to get in touch with emotions is a different uh, animal. But there, I, I understand that some people just when they get frustrated or when they are, you know, whatever emotions, different emotions evoke crying. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, some people cry obviously because of happiness. Some people yeah. cry because they're scared. Some cry because they're disappointed. Some cry because they're sad, Some, which is what we tend to mostly understand it as. So, But that's one thing I've learned through the ages that you can't really judge of what it is that people are crying about. You shouldn't, you shouldn't think like, oh, that's not worth crying. Yeah. And I'm preaching to myself here because I have a problem with that. You, uh, you've seen a lot of trauma working in the field that you work in, right? Mm-hmm. Working on an ambulance. Um, and... Well, now I work in a hospital, so... Now you work in a hospital. It's, it's a different way of seeing it, but yes, continuing to see yeah. it. Yep. Uh, do you... Is there ever a point where it all kind of catches up to you and it, like... You see people going through some of the worst experiences of their lives, mm-hmm. right? Is there ever a point where you sort of just have to stop and sort of take a break and go, whoa, or is it, are you able to sort of like distance yourself from it? Um, I think I'm able to distance myself, but I did notice the other day, and I think I even explained it as having some sort of a, a I had a, I had a moment of enlightenment where somebody that was frustrating me, um, I was able to kind of sit back and think about it from maybe their perspective or another perspective and be able to say I'm going to um, start anew I'm going to forget my earlier notions and about the interactions with this person if not this person themselves and I'm just going to extend kindness and try and help them Hmm. wherever that may be is it worth it maybe it's not worth it Uh, in fact I was being told it's not worth it don't do it this person is just going to continue in their behavior Hmm. Uh, but I, I oftentimes, through the years of working in the field, have tried to do that, to just step back and say, you know, I know everybody's failed, but I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try with the honey rather than the vinegar. Mm-hmm. I, um, except for I'm seen as the vinegar, 
because as we discussed earlier my stature and oh. and some of my so it's it's a fine line that is often i i find treading you know like i want to be a helpful person but i'm not seen as somebody that may be capable of being helpful which uh as a young man i almost wanted to create that dichotomy within my myself i strove for that i wanted you wanted to be seen as somebody who couldn't be helpful i wanted to be seen as someone who wasn't i wanted wanted to be a different person than what i would be seen as so i strove you know i had long hair wore death metal band shirts um and at the same time you know uh, abstained from a lot of the things kids did be drinking drugs and so on because I was an athlete and I, di- I didn't want to look like an athlete I didn't want to look at the drug but I took it further I wanted to look almost like somebody who wouldn't be considered to be something like that who you wouldn't think twice and I very immediately as I became an EMT I was still a young I was an 18 year old kid and I tried to help someone once and because of the way I was dressed because the way I was looked I was immediately dismissed and said hell no we're not letting you touch this person and I at that point had all the training to actually successfully help someone who had fallen, hurt themselves, and so on. Um, and that's when it came kind of to head to me that maybe it's not such a good thing to be pursuing this avenue. <laughs> but Interesting. then I kind of fell into it with, yes, the tattoos, I guess. Although, sure. again, they were meant to remind me of things, not to yeah. uh, be seen as something, but it became what it is. Yeah. Uh, I imagine... Uh, yeah, that must be very difficult. I mean, I, there have definitely been uh, situations that I've been in, and it's slightly different from what you're talking about, but uh, where I'll, I'll step into an elevator, uh, and there'll be, like, one one person who uh, I, I perceive to be a woman, you know, somebody who seems to represent as a woman. Um, well, I will notice their, um, their mood changes the moment I step into an mm. elevator, you know? Um, being sort of a beefy, you know, chubby, bearded guy, uh, there's sort of this immediate, like, I don't know if it's a distrust, but there's certain, like, their awareness is heightened, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, being a, a, you know, a big guy, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, and I'm so acutely aware of that change that uh, as I, as I, as I come in that I do everything in my power to appear smaller uh, and make no eye contact with them. Make no, like, mm. try not to acknowledge, like, acknowledge their presence in the most cheerful way I, I can possibly think of, but very quickly. You know, very like, hello, yep. you know, hi. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And, 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 hi. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. hello. <laughs> uh, and I do that so often because. You know, it, it, it blows my mind. I'm like, oh, you don't know that I'm, uh, I'm a wimp. <laughs> you have no idea. Like I'm, uh, you know, but then again, is that true? You know, like uh, that's my interpretation of myself. Yeah. That's, I think I'm so self-aware, but am I? I don't, you know. I try to uh, immediately start conversation. I think that to me, that that level stands yeah. out. I think. It's <laughs> just uh, like me and my wife think that uh, the Lord Jesus uh, you know, Christ right, is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I have yeah. said things, and I almost enjoy it too. Yes, to 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 bring up things that somebody would not think I would talk yeah. about or say, you know, or to yeah. comment or something. I think that is another one. Um, is to. Uh, give a compliment of some sort to note something of mm. someone and to have them notice that there is no uh, again ill intention behind that perhaps mm. although that's getting trickier and trickier in today's day and age because as uh, 
you know, imposing uh, a white male to comment on something. For a lot of people, it, it may seem as presumptuous, if not borderline. You know, if you're not if 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 you're not invited to it, then why? Why do it? Yeah. Again, yeah. I would do it because I want to start a conversation because I want to level the field where we're both human beings here, rather than a tall one, short one, male, female, yeah. whatever. You you feel as though you're uh, alleviating any sort of possible tension, right? That uh, might be generated yeah. based on them not knowing based anything about suit. you. Yeah. I want them to forget the meat yeah. suit and get to know <laughs> the soul, the, the spirit. Soul. The... The, I don't truly yet know my soul, I, I should say, but I'm trying to, sure. and I guess, yeah, bring ourselves to that level where we are both the same. Mm-hmm. Finding those common yeah. grounds, I think, is yeah. helps me try and show them that we, I'm not going <laughs> to try and do something. You're using your five foot eight voice. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, I guess you know, an, an inner child of sorts, because I yeah. mean, you know, I was shorter at one point. I had and you could you could go up to people and introduce yourself exactly, and say hello yeah. how are you doing yeah and to co- to come back to a yep to, to make an earlier up. discussion ah, it's so fascinating man well uh, i'm going to ask you the last two questions uh, and we'll, we'll we'll close this out but I, I i look forward to having another conversation with you for this this show this podcast um, we could you said it earlier and i'll i'll reiterate we could definitely talk for a very long time i think you know we could do a marathon i bet you if we sat if we decided to talk for 12 hours we could talk for 12 easily, hours easily but but some of it is going to be very boring to people listening. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but I think that it's almost the process. It's almost like improvising. It, it is improvisation. Oh, that's, that's all a conversation right. is. But in it, there, there will be nuggets of some... And that's why good. conversations get better as an adult, because you've, you've had enough of them, right? It's practice, right? Certainly. Uh, I yeah. spend my days, Monday through Friday, recording fifth and sixth graders <laughs> having conversations. And uh, they're getting better. They are definitely getting better. But man, you should hear some of the first ones I recorded. Hoo-wee. So, um, second to last question is, uh, what is some advice that you've been given or you have given uh, to friends, family, or from friends and family Um, about friendship, relationships. When I was uh, about to have my first child, I had a friend who um, at one point was a closer friend, never truly a horribly close friend, but a family friend in a way, Um, a peer of mine, a year younger, uh, without children himself, but somehow I was talking to him about the fact that I was about to become a father, and he told me that um, adults do not make children, children make adults. And... That played out in my life many a times and um, it is a piece of advice that I've given to people who are thinking about having children. Mm -hmm. You know, having children now is such a a calculated decision or some people want to make it a calculated and think that they can make it a calculated decision. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be established, I'm going to have a a house, I'm going to have financial stability, freedom, blah, 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 before I have kids. and often people, of course, don't feel like they're ready. And I, I remember having one particular um, paramedic I worked with who was contemplating having children with his wife there. But they didn't know and he felt like he didn't, he wasn't going to be able to live up to whatever it is that he'll need to do. And and that came, came to me again where I told him, listen, you will step into the role as it comes. And it is in that 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 child will make you an adult. Um, 
you will see that eventually there are behaviors and or certain things you will say, I will not do because I'm a, I'm a parent now. Um, and simply for me, it was, I remember, I think my daughter was a few months old and I was late on the rent payment. No reason really, I think it was overlooked it or something. But I told myself, you know, I, I can't do this shit anymore. Pardon my expression. I have to be, uh, I have to make sure that I, I'm responsible, that I provide, that I, and even less than that, I have to make sure that this is taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when slowly kind of start dawning on me. And also just simple things, you know, um, people don't think that they can deal with, you know, diapers and vomit and this and that. As you become a parent, as it is your own perhaps to say but you just kind of step into it and you start doing it so yeah that's one uh, piece of advice i've and he this this paramedic ended up going on and having a child and and saying that that particular discussion of ours stuck with him yeah and um and so yeah i mean he did did they ever end up having a kid yep they have a kid they have a kid i I believe over a year old now maybe two Um, that's wonderful so yeah that's one piece of advice i can tell you one other one though uh the antidote to that is that i was once upon my first wedding (laughs) i won't go into details on how many there have been but um i was told uh somewhat of a cliche advice of never going to sleep angry uh with your spouse or partner Mm. and i took it to heart and i proceeded to uh fight all night long through uh some relationships and i found it to be the worst piece of advice i have ever received yeah Uh, sometimes it's good to sleep on something and then have that distance to be able to look at it again in my humble opinion Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas you know beating a a, a dead horse for lack of a better expression I don't know that always produces good things and it tends to snowball into other things and anyway it was not an advice I found Mm -hmm. although it's given and obviously well-meaning sure but for me it just did not work and that's the other last thing I've heard it said that the worst kind of advice that advice is the worst kind of vice so, um, mm. you know, advice. Um, I like that. It's very, um, it's got a, a kind of a poetic, right? Yeah. Poetic hook to it. I like that. Advice is the worst kind of vice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier, which is telling people, trying to convince people of things. And advice somewhat, I mean, especially if not asked for. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, this is just my advice. Well, you weren't asked for it, so. Yeah. Maybe maybe don't share it. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, I think it's probably safe to say, too, that uh, vice presidents are the second worst kind of vices. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> anyone in power. Anyone in power. But uh, even it almost seems even worse to have someone who has very little power ready to take on. U.S. had a very good vice president. And uh, first FDR's first vice president was a, a socialist-leaning, if not outwardly socialist, uh, I believe in, at one point Secretary of Agriculture who rose to be a vice president and who was then uh, uh, quickly exchanged for Truman. Um, oh, yeah. And um, Was it Dewey? What was his name? No. But it was... He, oh, I see. Yeah, I yeah, forget, yeah, yeah. but yes. I mean, he obviously disappeared into obscurity yeah. in history, but could have been uh, 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 a driving force to continue um, with some of the, uh, 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 I don't know... Uh, ideas that FDR started with the New Deal and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, name two people, last question, name two people who you think I probably don't know. It doesn't matter. I, You know, like David Perez, when I interviewed him, 
he was like, do you realize how hard that's going to be? We've known each other for 26 years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult for me to come up with two people you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe two people I, you think I probably have never really, that I might not be friends with. You know, and it could be it could be controversial. It could be somebody that you know, maybe maybe I might not you know be terribly fond of them too. You know, you can name whichever names you want to name. You know, and if I can have a conversation with them, I will. But two people you think I don't know who I should have a conversation with. I mean, the goal is that it's somebody that I could likely become you friends with. Been, yeah. You know, uh, after after a conversation or two. You know. Um. Well, one is uh, near here, and you are in a downtown, and it is Ruth Baker. Ruth Baker Ruth has Baker. Uh, recently taken over or become the proprietor of Pizza Flora, a fine uh, establishment in downtown San Jose serving vegan mm-hmm. and non-vegan or vegetarian food. Um, so she would be one. <sighs> What is it about her that you think I, that we, why, why do you think we would get along? community i think because she is she i mean you know many reasons wants to create community and uh you um kind of you know you 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 are a community (laughs) and you bring a community with you and also i think you share already a lot of the same community Hmm. um and i think some of the ideas Uh, I could see you having um, just being kindred spirits, I mm. think, in many ways. Okay. Uh, second one, honestly, I can tell you that this is a person that you may not ever get to know very well, if at all. But I, at work, I there's a, um, a nurse uh, I've become very friendly with, um, Mike uh, Amos is his name, and he has uh, um, been a nurse for many years. Um, He was an athlete who uh, got injured and through his uh, uh, journey of that became a nurse eventually. But uh, he's a very interesting fella who uh, loves conversation and um, has a unique perspective on life that I think you would enjoy talking with. Plus, you know, again, and, and as might be the point of this, he comes from a completely outside different, yeah. this different place. He's lived all over the uh, United States. Um, And is a very jolly fella, yeah. And at the same time, is also an imposing uh, um, stature. Um, mm-hmm. He's a he's a tall man, and uh, uh, so yeah, uh, he would be another one. I appreciate it. Maybe uh, maybe you can tell him in advance that this is a project I'm looking forward to doing. I, I'm sure that he would be one that I could see as being very willing. I think to uh, to have a conversation. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, maybe you and I could head over to Pizza Flora one of these days and there you go and say hi to Ruth Baker. Yep. Yeah, uh, I look forward to meeting the two of them, and uh, I appreciate your time, Jacob. You are uh, one of my favorite people. Likewise, I love you. I love you, Big thanks to my friend Ben Henderson for the music. New episodes of Oversocial will be available to my Patreon subscribers on Thursdays and on Mondays everywhere else. Follow me on Instagram at MightyMikeMcGee and at MightyMikeMcGee.com.
Next message. Hi, Mike. Just wanting to play a phone tag. <laughs> All right, I'll see you. Bye-bye. End of message.